This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 373 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, EcoVet, and Hindsight Vision. Tonight, we've got Hillary Moore Hebert on for the monthly dressage today. And Judge Joan Darnell joins us again to go through Intermediaire 2 with us on Through the Judge's Perspective series. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Reese. Hi. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, how are you surviving your your surgery, your small issue there? <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I uh, had knee surgery last week. Uh, well, they took out 50% of my meniscus, so uh, I don't think that's good but um you don't need 50 percent, obviously yeah, then. apparently not i don't need it um yeah no uh it, i think it was slightly more complicated than they thought it was going to be but um it's it's okay it's a little easier than a repair i have had a meniscus repair before and that didn't that was really tough uh this one's a little bit easier i can there's they took it out so it just has to heal so I'm off riding for okay. just a little bit, but uh, it's super hot here, and I sort of did that on purpose. You know, uh, the horses honestly can have a little bit of a break. It's going to be close to 100 degrees this weekend, and uh, I have awesome riders here. And my sister, a uh, shout-out to my sister, Lindsay, who uh, has actually been working on getting in shape just so that she could ride. Hello for me while I'm off, which was pretty awesome. So she's been working really hard to, to get that done, so uh, that's it's been great and all everybody here is awesome i have such a great crew here at the barn so a uh, shout out to my whole mcf team for everybody jumping in uh sounds like you got it under control yeah i think so <laughs> or as under control as one could have it you know uh which is nice so all is well, well and i hope to yeah. be back saddle in a couple weeks so. good luck. yeah, yeah good luck. thanks well we're, we're recording a little early this week yep. because i'm off to a show on thursday when we normally record so uh I know we're we're Tuesday night, exactly. Yeah. We never we never record on Tuesday night. But um, I told Phil I'm not that particularly that busy right now, so I hobbled in. Oh, you got the time, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out great. So yeah, so I hope everyone has great shows this weekend and uh, whatever you're doing, stay cool. Uh, sounds like it's going to be really hot. So Phil, we can't wait to hear a uh, a good report uh from the <laughs> show, for sure i know this is a big one for you guys so i'm looking forward to hearing how it goes yeah i've got i got my uh the, the main horse i've been working on he's six years old he went to the first show of the season and um uh, pretty much won everything at first level so we've actually awesome. decided that he should be showing yeah he was awesome he was in he was in the 70s for every for every test so we decided okay it's now for him to actually show at the level in which he's training, which is third level. So now he's got to he's got to be a big boy and and do a couple of flying changes every day and and, f- and figure that all out. So, yeah. I know that's a big jump. He can talk to Hello <laughs> about that for sure. That's a big one. He's so well, we can't wait to hear. Yeah, we can't wait to hear yeah, how it goes for sure. I'm excited for you. So that'll be really fun. 
Well, cool. Well, right after this commercial break uh, from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back. We've got lots of news to cover. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Okay, Phil, this is a big week for us for the Olympics. It is like I heard on the news today, 17 days away to the opening ceremonies. So the teams, I know, I know that's what happens when you don't get to do much other than watch TV uh, and read books. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so 17 days away. And tell us um, what's going on. There have been a lot of teams that have been announced. So you've got the list for us. Well, I guess uh, first and foremost, Germany, you know, at Aachen, they, I guess their selection for their team. So we've got uh-huh. a German team, which yep. is a very strong team. I don't know if yes. you watch the scores coming from Aachen, but Huge I think they had three riders in the Grand Prix score over 80 and three riders in the special score over 80%. That's, uh, that's big. 
That's, that's big. huge. Yeah. So we have Christina Borging Spreha and uh, Desperados, Dorothy Schneider and Showtime, Isabel Vert and Weigold, and Sonica Rothenberger and Cosmo. It will make the uh, the German team, and those are all very strong riders. Desperados yes. very experienced. Weigold is sort of a newer ride for Isabel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was but it's previously Isabel. written by her. It's amazing. Her, yeah, and her professional rider was riding this course, and then she took over the ride. And um, they had some very, very big scores. Um, I'm really excited. And I think all these riders are amazing. So um, good luck to Germany, right? Yeah, for sure. They're going to be fun to watch. What else do we have? We have uh, um, the Dutch team, of course. We'll, we'll just go down the list here. Um, they also had their selection not at Aachen, but at their own um, German champion or sorry, Dutch championships, <laughs> um, where they selected Diedrich von Silvout with uh, Arlendo, Hans Peter Minderhout with Johnson, which we've seen this horse quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Edward Gall and Voice, and um, back on the t- on the A team, going to the Olympics, Adlinda Corneliusen and Parseval. I think he's 19 this year. Yes. Apparently, he's looking better than ever. So super! Oh, I'm excited. I, I, you know, she did she go to London? She went to London, but yeah, it was here. Uh, yeah. Silver medal, silver team right. team medal in uh, in London for the mm-hmm. Dutch team. So it was heartbreaking uh, here at the Wag when that horse bit his tongue. Oh God, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, mouth and she no. didn't get to go in. Yeah, she didn't get to go in. Yeah, yes, it was awful. So I, I, I'm like, I pull for her because I just, I'm like, oh god, that was so sad to watch. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do, and and definitely a good shout out for them for sure. This is, uh, yeah, an experienced team on uh, for the Dutch uh, Olympics, and uh, we wish them all the luck, um, you know, going forward and and traveling and being in Rio in a couple of weeks, I guess. I know. Yeah. So we'll keep this up and, and we'll keep our Olympic coverage going. But Phil, there's been some big news out of Canada about the World Equestrian Games. Well, as heard? far as I understand it, that the Canadian government has not pledged any support for the WEG, in which that was part of the reason that the FEI um, selected Canada, because they understand um, government funds for this event. And um, I don't think that there is going to be. So I think they projected something like a $62 million deficit to be made up, I don't know how, by private private sponsorship or or somehow. So it looks very doubtful that in 2018, mm-hmm. Equestrian Games will be held in Canada. So they're struggling to uh, to find a second venue that would that would host this. It's very sad. Yeah. It's, you know, I just, it's very it's sad. It's like mismanagement and disorganization mm-hmm. on the part uh, of an organizing big- committee here yeah yeah and there's a big uh issue here in kentucky kentucky could host it again but there's a sponsorship issue between rolex and longine and and there's some some issues with that yeah that so. seems to be the case um in in um, kentucky and in florida and at aachen rolex is a sponsor of all of those big showgrounds and, and um the weg sponsor is longines so yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it completely, I, but I really hope that I somewhere, this, somehow, yeah. there will be a 2018 World Equestrian Games. Me too. Me too. And um, yeah, I'm I'm glad we're not in those talks right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll be leave those to. Good luck to those guys for sure. And yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I, I really hope that they f- figure that out. So, yeah. 
Well, we'll keep you up to date for sure. Phil's got the inside loop on the Canadian side and I've got the inside <laughs> loop at the Kentucky Horse Park side. So uh, between the two of us, you've got us in good locations. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, right after this commercial break from EcoVet, we're going to come back with Hillary Moore Hebert, contributing editor of From Dressage Today for her monthly segment. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if your horse could enjoy a zone of repellency from pesky flies? Well, he can with EcoVet. EcoVet is an entirely new type of fly repellent that is safe for horses and those applying it, offering a real alternative to toxic pesticides like pyrethrins. EcoVet confuses an insect's normal directional ability, the bug's GPS, if you will. So if it can't locate your horse, it can't bite your horse. Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio Show has been using it in South Florida, also known as the Jurassic Park of biting insects, and she just loves it. EcoVet's active ingredients are naturally occurring food-grade fatty acids that have been clinically shown to improve the condition of horses with difficult-to-treat Swedish problems. EcoVet is effective on mosquitoes, ticks, noceums, as well as flies. You can visit EcoVet online at eco-vet.com for more information or to order. You can find EcoVet at Dover Saddlery Stores and EcoVets on Facebook. Just search EcoVet, E-C-O-V-E-T. Well, this evening, we are so happy to have our favorite segment of the month, Hillary Moore Hebert, from our contributing editor from Dressage Today is on. Hi, Hillary. I'm happy to be doing some horse-related thing that doesn't involve being outside for a very hot second because I believe <laughs> it's supposed to be without the, the humidity, which Maryland is famous for, I think, 99 on Sunday. So yes. it yes. has been very warm here. And you know what, if everybody, um, remember Karen Isberg from Kentucky Performance Products did a great heat segment. Phil, did that run? It ran a couple weeks ago and it is. Yeah, a- we, did a, we actually did a couple of, of mm-hmm. uh, hot weather segments, um, you know, recently because uh, we heard it was going to be a very warm summer yep. for most of the continent. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we have some awesome ones that we did. That was and, and it's weeks interesting. Ago now, Reese, about three weeks yeah, ago, that's right. Three weeks. And the interesting thing, just for everybody to kind of take note, is Karen said that if the temperature and the humidity, the amount of humidity, if you add those up and they're over 180, you have to be very careful and really should be very careful with riding. So I think we're getting to get close for sure in Maryland and Kentucky. We're going to be pretty darn close, if not get over that level. Um, we probably got too close to it today. It was very hot. So everybody be careful if you're showing and riding this weekend, for sure. So that's that's my one PSA of good the day. Tip. Yeah, good tip. <laughs> that's my tip before you even get started. All right, Hillary, what do you got for us this, this month in the dressage today or from dressage today? So I wanted to talk about the AIDS, and then I'm going to go back to something I talked about, you know, one or two um, times ago. Um, but I wanted to talk about the AIDS because there's some really good articles in the August issue. Um, the first one is from Chris Hickey. Um, he was on the Pan American team for USA and um, was riding at Hilltop for a while. Um, so I'm sure many of your listeners recognize who he is. Um, he's a professional rider. And uh, he was talking about how the AIDS, um, you need to think of them on a scale of 1 to 10. 
And the ideal goal is to have it be that if you put a soft aid on, your horse goes forward. But say you put your aid on at a level of three out of 10 and they don't listen, it's okay to go to five or six and ask for the response. And I like this a lot because I think from my days back as a um, jumper rider or an eventer rather, um, going over fences, if your horse stops, and doesn't go over the fence, you take a crop and you get them one on the shoulder. And I think as dressage riders, we want everything to be about finesse and everything. But if you go to ask for your horse to go from trot to canter and they don't listen, it's the same as them not going over the jump. And so you don't get to the point where you say, okay, I'll give you 55 times around before you go to canter. And maybe I'll, you know, ask you nicely with a little bit of like a voice and a kiss go forward and listen so that you don't have to be the nag and have it be like that transition is going over that jump where you say now is now and I'm going to go from a three to a five or a six out of 10 and really expect that you listen to me. So I liked that as a way of thinking because it, I think, you know, says let's do this now and it keeps you from being a nag and your horse also becomes more responsive. Yeah. No, I think that's just a really cool way of, of sort of quantifying what the age should be. Cause that's a lot of questions people give is like, well, how much age should I give? And I like to think one, one to 10, you know, zero, obviously no aid. And then one to 10. And I'm, you know, I, I always say to my students, start with a light aid. So I like that. You can say, start between one and three. And then if you need to go up, you have somewhere to go up. Um, but I like just having sort of that idea of, of there's a, there's a scale. I like that. I like that a lot. Phil, how about you? I think, you know, uh, thinking about this is, I think this is the biggest difference between, uh, or one of the very large differences between an amateur, the amateur riders and the professional riders. I think when you watch a professional rider or, you know, somebody who's riding who you really expect, they have a very clear idea about what the expectation uh, from the horse is for the aid that is put on. And so, um, you know, when you ride five horses a day, you can't be asking with a nine all day long and, <laughs> and the horse is not respecting you. Uh, I mean, think it's just it's a lot of sense that, you know, when I sit on a horse, I expect a, a 10 response from a two aid all the time and just really consistently doing that. And, and I'm sure both of you guys teach a lot of lessons that is centered around that theme is, you know, ask quietly and expect to get a response. And if you don't get a response, it's fair to ask more strongly. That, I mean, that, that's it, right? That's, uh, that's the basics of training a horse, you know, right down to, you know, uh, I always talk to my riders about just in the beginning, all you need is a gas pedal and the brake, and they have to work very, very well. And, and I from like there, you how... can develop the horse. And I like how also it's out of 10, he says, put it up to five or six because mm -hmm. also, you know, you don't want to be going to nine or 10, like a crazy person, which, <laughs> you know, unfortunately we've all seen in our lifetime where people get frustrated and suddenly it becomes too much. So I think it's nice to think go from a three to a six. He's also not saying go from a three to a 10 right away. Because right. it may be that mm -hmm. just as 
you want the light aid, it might be if you're going and trot, for example, and gripping with your leg, do you think you're squeezing lightly, but it might be that your horse feels, oh, maybe they're just gripping a little bit harder because they lost their balance. Then to go at them and say, you know, you're going to do this, you jerk, is also not fair. So I really do like that it start with a light aid, but also, you know, give your horse the benefit of the doubt and, and bring it up a little bit. And then, you know, ask yourself, did I have clarity in that when you got that answer? Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very yeah. good point. Well, but I think that's just something to remember. You don't want to be in the 10, 9, 10, 8, 9, 10 range. Like, you don't want to be up there. And if you have to be there, okay, you should be there for a very specific reason. Uh, or you're trying to get a response. But, you know, as Phil said, I don't want to be up in that range. I'm, I have too many horses to ride and I'm, I get tired and you shouldn't have to be there. So I think that's just a good reminder. And, um, and but you want to be sort of stay in the, in the low range and then move up if you need to. Uh, but go back always to the lighter range because we always want our horses to be lighter and more responsive. So, and to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I, I you don't want to be up in that range at all because uh, then you know you're not fair. Well, you know, we've all had to get angry at the horse. Like Hillary said, when you go over a jump, the horse doesn't go over a jump. You have to spank the horse. Okay. But, you know, that's not the point of, of what we're doing and, and trying to do with our horses. So love it. I love it. Hillary, what's our next one? So the next tip is also about AIDS. And I thought this was, was neat. It's an article about how the um, – Para equestrians, um, the Paralympic riders deal with um, riding without. And there was one point that also referred to the AIDS, which I thought was interesting to think about is when you're left without the ability to apply one of the sort of um, able-bodied AIDS, then you need to really think about what your circle of AIDS are, how you're replacing them. And I thought that was an interesting thing, both for para and able-bodied riders, where you think, for example, someone who doesn't have use of their legs has to use their feet and their voice and their whips, um, if they have one on either side, to ask for the horse to execute certain things that might be from the leg aid a little bit more. And I thought it was interesting because the first thing that one would assume is you know, maybe it's just that you use the whip to replace the egg, the leg aid. Um, but also you start to think, well, I think as I get better at doing things, sometimes I can almost have my aids, like what we talked about um, before on the scale of one to 10, how close to zero can you get for certain aids? Like, for example, if you go to do a half halt, you know, do you ride from the rain versus, you know, feeling it in your core muscles, rebalancing from your body? And could you get away from that rain aid as you get better at the other aids? Could you get to the point where in leg yield, you're riding more from the shifting of your weight versus having to kind of kick the horse along from the, you know, that leg and pushing them away? So I think it's interesting to consider because you think, oh, you just get to replace, you know, certain things with artificial aids. But I think that, um, you know, Kristoff uh, Hess and some others in past articles have talked about this, where people who are not able to use certain aids become very refined, much more um, than some of the able-bodied riders at using things like their weight and their back and, you know, 
things that I think other people take for granted because it's not as urgent. No, that makes sense. And, and, you know, honestly, as we all know, you can train a horse with any aid. I mean, the, the purpose of dressage is that we all have a uniform, if you want to say that, set of aids. But, you know, if, if I get on Hillary or Phil's horse and want the horse to leg yield, it should be a, very, a, a similar aid. But you can teach a horse to leg yield with any way, any aid you want, really. So I think that that's sort of a good reminder is horses are trainable and that's what we're doing when we train them. So, you know, if you need to, or, you know, in the Paris sense and you listen to para riders, it's amazing what they're able to do with their bodies without having, uh, when, when Pam was here and she doesn't have use of her left arm, like it was unbelievable what she was able to do. Um, So I think that that's just a great reminder that we as riders and trainers are always training our horses and whatever aid it is, if you're consistent about it, you can get the horse to respond to that specific aid. Yeah. I like to think about this. I was, um, you know, about training young horses and, um, I think how many have we done this year? Just a couple this year, but I mean, essentially what we're doing uh, with these young guys is, you know, using our, teaching the horse to respond to voice aids on the lunge line. And then when we get on their backs, we substitute the voice aid for the leg aid, you know, using them in combination, um, you know, to, to train the horse. Um, when, when you first get on a very young horse, and I think everybody who's sort of done that had the first ride on a horse or, you know, they don't understand anything. It's not like a kick on the side is a universal uh, underst- understood aid for a horse or a pull on the reins for, for brakes or anything like that. I mean, we train them to do that. So like you guys are talking about, you can train them to do anything if, as long as you, you know, reward them for the, for the behavior that you expect to a, to a stimulus. So, um, you know, a, as riders, sometimes when we have, um, our amateur riders or, you know, in lessons and we just have a situation that's not working, the horse doesn't go forward from the leg or whatever. We say, you know, use the voice, use a cluck or, or use a little bit more whip and, and sort of try and get around the, you know, a rider having maybe a weaker leg or, you know, weaker arms or whatever to try and just achieve the desired goal in another way and then maybe substitute back in for, for, for the quieter leg or something like that. So, I mean, training horses can be um, very hard, but you can you can figure it out you can you can think of different ways that maybe you haven't approached before to get the desired response from the horse and to help the, under, the horses understand better i mean i just I, I like it so much because there's just so many different ways to to achieve the same goal and to do something else so i think that you know um use your brain i think that's the most important thing yeah. in training is is figure figure out what's going to work for you and your horse So uh, I had a huge light bulb moment when you said that, like always, whenever you're talking, because you're so smart. Um, (laughs) This is my dorky mom comparison (laughs) of many (laughs) you guys will get to hear. But we were talking today about how you can teach little babies sign language. I'm sure everyone knows that this is a popular thing that people are starting to do. (laughs) And there's a concern that it makes kids slow to develop language because why would you learn to talk if you can develop sign language yeah Yeah. but it's interesting what you just said with the lunging where you teach a horse to go forward for example with a voice 
so that when you get on, you can use the voice and then also translate the leg. I'm going to repeat something that my, uh, I take my child to baby gymnastics so you can judge away, but they said today in class is that. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Yeah, I think baby gymnastics sounds fun. Um, when kids learn sign language, they actually are better at language skills. And this is now my connecting. My instructor didn't tell me this because she doesn't ride massage. But when a horse <laughs> learns the voice aid, they will be better at processing the, you know, leg, seat, hand, or whatever aid, right, to go forward or back because they understand the first. And it's the reverse. Like you have a baby who can't talk and you say to them more, I want more food. And then you pinch your hands and push them together for the sign. And then you give them more food or you say more book, more of anything. Every time you do it, you say more and you pinch it together. Kids can't talk as fast as they can sign. And so it allows them to process. So there will come a day where they will start pinching their hands and pushing them together to ask for more before they understand the, the way to say the word more. I argue, or I mean, it's sort of an easy connection. Horses can much more easily understand if you say, you know, cancer and they go forward versus outside leg back, inside seat bone forward. I push my weight on and on and on. That's very complex for them. But if you say canter, they understand it. They just do it, yeah. You know, make it simple. And I like that because to me, this is the light bulb part, is if you or your horse are having a misunderstanding of the aid, how can you go back to something that's easier, right? Like if you can't get the canter, how can you get an aid? And then overlap it again with the, you know, riding aid for it. And it might be that you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's worth a try, right? It's worth a try. Go backwards a little bit to go forward again. I think most of our horses were taught most things on the lunge line before anything else. So. Or you taught them or you taught them. And that's the reason you're teaching and you spend that much time so that you can say that, or even your instructor, we've all been there when you, you know, you say trot and the horse trots. <laughs> so I have yeah. some horses that I can't say trot. I have to spell it or say T or say something because or, yeah. they know, they know they're listening to me because I train them and they're looking and listening to me saying, oh, she's telling me to trot. But, you know, and the so, rider goes, I didn't yeah. do anything. I didn't, and you're I like, didn't okay, ask him. that's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we've we all had them. those moments too. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we oh, that was a great transition. And, the rider yeah. was like, I was just sitting there. Well, I think you can then break it, you can break it down. So you, yes, it kind of does become a trick for a second. And, but then you can get back to the riding. I know a person who will remain nameless, who's a very elite rider told me one time that they were having a hard time teaching their horse Piaf Passage transitions and from, you know, riding. And so what they did is they got on the horse's back and someone in hand helped them with the Piaf Passage transition. And when that happened, they tickled the horse with their left hand, I think, with the two left fingers. They itched their withers. And then they praised them, and they did it about 100 times. Then they took away the ground person, rode the Passage, and went to do the Piaf transition by just tickling their withers. Just doing the tickle. Yeah, Yeah, sure. 
That's yeah. the same then thing the as the AIDS did it. Yeah. Then they went back and added the AIDS to it. So then you can start to refine it, right? But first you have to have them understanding that you even want the PF to begin with. But I thought that was an interesting thing because even, you know, Olympic riders have sort of their, I can't cancer, I have to ask cancer. You know, it just yeah. is mm-hmm. more advanced yeah. than that. Yeah. But, you know, they're basically doing the same thing or they're training their horse maybe slightly differently than than the conventional method but that's yeah yeah. just because it's conventional doesn't always mean it's the best yeah and we're horse trainers i mean that's what we do every day and and you do even when you're riding your own horse you're always training that horse so if you are doing it maybe not the correct way uh there's a reason why maybe the horse won't do it or if you do it you know i think we've all been there and sat on horses that are really good in the show ring but they've only had one rider their entire career I went to look at a horse not that, that long ago. It, it was a Grand Prix horse, and it was for for a student of mine. But that horse had been ridden for a long time by one rider, and that rider started it when it was four and and was a kid, and then you know was selling it to go to college, and it was unbelievable because she had a, an unbelievable connection with that horse. But we got on the horse, and yeah, we could get it to kind of do things, but they had their own language, and that was tricky. You know, that was, uh, we didn't end up buying the horse because of it, because it was just going to be a little bit too well, challenging. Yeah, I mean, how do you re, yeah, sort of yeah. retrain that, not retrain, yeah. but, but develop Make the it. relationship and, you, you know, it's yeah. very hard. It's yeah. Very so hard. that's, that's well, why. And you so see good. some horses that like, you know, riders are very asymmetrical and talking about the one to 10, the tempi changes, it really is like, uh three and a five a three and then a five to ask the right lead is a three the left or probably more likely they're stronger right the left is a three the right is a five but they've figured out how to make the horse straight the horse just ignores that it's not the same so then someone gets on who's used to doing on horses a a three and a three and a three and a three and you suddenly start to notice the horse drifts a bit or you know, is a little bit sluggish on that yeah, side. Short, yeah, short on one someone side. Who's riding yeah. a three and a five. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, interesting thoughts today. Yeah, it I, is. I it's, like it's, the discussion. Thanks, Hillary. Yeah. More to, more to think about. <laughs> Love it. So what's our last tip of the day from Dressage Today? So the last tip of the day, I had talked about a while ago about how we had done an article um, with, someone who has been doing, so to speak, Skype lessons with her instructor. So I found out exactly how they do it. And it's way cooler than, (laughs) so I imagine there like were 50 people involved in this whole process. But what they did is they got, and I don't know very much about technology, but they said it's, I don't know if it's an actual HG high definition or they just meant something very high definition. It's like a camera similar to the new baby monitors or a security camera that can pan zoom and go, you know, all over the place. And you set it up on something that is, you know, mounted and you connect it to the internet and you have a a landline telephone probably would be easier, but I'll explain some other options after that. But the instructor goes on the internet just as though you were checking in on your full cam or whatever. It's just much higher definition. And they zoom in and out. So you don't have to have anyone but the rider on the rider's end. They turn the thing on remotely. They watch it remotely. 
And then what they do is they call the landline that's hooked up to a speakerphone, or I'm not sure this would work in my arena, no matter what I did, you could call a cell phone and have a Bluetooth headset in. But I think with the reception in and out, I would probably pick figuring out a speaker system and how to wire your telephone into it. And it was just a landline call, but you can get a a headset. I think you'd still do a headset on a, on a uh, landline. Yeah. That's cool. It's just a question of, you know, once you get to the other side of the arena, do you have the same reception? I don't know. But I think, you know, enough of everyone in the world now understands Bluetooth and on and on that you could figure that part out very easily. Um, But it's, to me, fascinating because you are essentially having everything now with the instructor coming over your headset or or speakers as though they are in the room and they're zooming in remotely. They just could be in, for the example of the person I talked to, her instructor is in Europe. So she is in Maryland and she takes riding lessons on a regular basis with someone who is in Germany and with the time difference, he goes and has dinner and does all his things. And he sits down before bed and he gives her a riding lesson and then calls it a day. That's awesome. Meanwhile, she can be sort of in a place that is a little bit wanting for, you know, higher high performance coaches and she's able to take instruction um, the one tip she had for anyone who's interested, and if people wanted to message me, I'd be happy to, you know, send them more information if they had questions, because we're going to start setting this up at my place. Um, the one thing she mentioned is riding with white polo wraps, a white saddle pad, and something that's, you know, a contrasting shirt and helmet is very helpful when you're watching oh. it, the same as if you're watching like a sale video. You just can see things more easily. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. I so, that, wow. Yeah. The other huh. thing too now, and Reese, you're going to be very excited about this because I thought, wow, I can have then, you know, all these instructions from all these people and I don't have to have it be that I have put together a clinic and on and on and on. I just have to trick them into signing on to my, you know, trick online yeah. Yeah, you know, I love security it. camera. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But my students said to me, and it's like light dawns over marble head, they said, oh, is that so when you go to Florida, instead of flying home, you can just check in and teach us there. And I was like, light bulb. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Light bulb. <laughs> Why didn't I think about that? And I just thought you could get to the point, And I think this is something where this, as it gets more common, is going to change the sport dramatically if it becomes common, but it will make it so that you don't have to be physically there to teach a lot of the time. Wow. That's awesome. I could be in my PJs like I am now. (laughs) (laughs) And sitting in air conditioning, even better. Hmm. Really? No, I like to follow the horses around. I like to walk. Well, but if you're, if you want to, if you were to show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if I think you were to show like anything, though, and someone says, "I can't get this and this, and I'm panicking," and you're panicking because you want to help them, but you're going to be gone for three days. I like the idea yeah. of instead of feeling helpless, that I could at least say, "Hold on, you're in the ring. Let me turn on this my yeah, little I mean, stalker camera and let me see yeah, what you look like I because I want to see what the problem is." 
And, you know, you could then watch them and have it be that in real time, no matter where you are, you could sort of check in and see what it is that they're struggling with. Yeah. Or like you said, when you, when we're in Florida uh, for three months, that's great. And, and there's always, you know, January is pretty quiet. February is pretty quiet, but March people are, you know, starting to ride here, getting ready for, there's a little, a couple little competitions here. Um, And so that's a great idea. I didn't even think about it. You're so smart, Hillary. I love it. There's like a a robot. Yeah. A robot, Phil. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give robot (laughs) Phil a whip. A really big whip, <laughs> and and he'll stand around for me. <laughs> oh, robot Phil! All right, everybody can write in and let us know what you. Please write, draw some pictures. If anyone has artistic of robot Phil, that would make our Hillary and my day. <laughs> give, give him a piaf whip for sure. Give, give him a piaf whip and some sugar. Well, Hillary, as always, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this segment on the high level. Uh, but uh, Hillary, thanks so much for coming on. And how do our listeners find you online? They can find us at dressagetoday.com, as well as on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitter. And as far as contacting Robot Phil, you will have to ask him about that. <laughs> yes, please write okay. some pictures for us. That would be amazing. We'll put them on the Facebook page, everybody. Hillary, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next month. Well, right after this commercial break from Hindsight, we're going to come back with Joan Darnell. She is going to do the second installment of her From the Judge's Perspective on the Intermediaire 2. Hindsight Vision Systems, offering horse owners durable, portable, wireless, rear-view vision cameras with tons of versatility. Hindsight Vision Systems' journey line of wire-free camera and monitor systems is available in both standard and wide-angle versions. Hindsight Vision Systems are rugged. Both camera and monitors are water and temperature resistant. Hindsight Vision Systems are also robust, with the ability to transmit signal for up to one-third of a mile, and there are hardwired and wireless installation options. Hindsight Systems are versatile. You can pair up to four cameras with a single monitor, and several mounting options are available. Visit www.hindsightvision.com to order yours today. www.hindsightvision.com Well, Phil, for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have uh, S. Judge Joan Darnell back on to talk about the Intermediaire 2, and I hope everybody is enjoying this segment as much as you and I are. You, you very rarely see it written. Yeah, that's right. So I, I'd love to talk about it and talk about mm-hmm. the intricacies of, of this very difficult test. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight we have Joan Darnell, USEFS judge, back for the second set of our series on the Intermediaire 2. Joan, welcome back. Well, thanks. It's good to be back. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. And uh, so we wanted to start this Inter 2 um, there are some te- some other tests, and we wanted you to kind of explain what the intermediate A and B are versus the intermediate two, because it's kind of okay, confusing. So it is a little bit, I think. The intermediate A and B were tests. They were designed to be sort of a stepping stone from the I-1 to the I-2, which prepares you for the Grand Prix. So they, the tests, I think, are really well laid out. They're logical. 
they make sense when you ride them. When they first came out, I saw a lot of riders riding, especially the IB, but now not so much anymore. Here and there, but it doesn't seem to be as popular as they were when they first came out. Got it. Got it. So they're they're still available. They're still there. Yes. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Got it. But we just decided tonight we'd talk we talk start talking about the intermediate too. So okay. let's let's get going on that. Okay. So um, this test is to prepare the horses for Grand Prix. They are they have to do Piaf passage. They are allowed to move one meter forward in the Piaf. The number of steps is a little less than is required at Grand Prix. It's a little bit judged a little bit more leniently, I suppose, than, you know, the, the, you want to see quality, but the horses, as they're doing the I-2, maybe not aren't as strong yet. They're still developing, and so you can be a little more forgiving at the I-2 than you would be for a Grand Prix. Yeah, and it's the first time you'll see, you know, you'll essentially see yes. it. And so, right. it, it, you know, it seems like the judges are, are a little bit more lenient if you make a few mistakes or you move That's a little right. bit forward. Right. So, so you come in, you come in at the canter and you do your extended trot, which is what we've yep. been doing at the levels before. But this is the first time you see a trot zigzag. Is yes. That right? That's right. So it's sort of like the I1 in the canter half passes, This, but this now is in, um, in the trot. So the same kind of thing applies that we talked about last time with the canter half passes zigzag is that as you turn onto the center line, prepare the bend, let the shoulders start half pass five meters to the, to the right. Is that right? Yes. And then, um, change the bend, keep the balance half pass back to the left. And then same thing, change the balance or the bend and the balance and keep it coming back to the right. Excellent. And then you'll track right at the very end. So the, the, it's still, this one doesn't have a count of the number of strides. It's the distance the, to the quarter line, to the next quarter line, and then back to the center line. But it, the, the same qualities that the regularity of the trot, the bending equal to both sides, that the horse stays balanced, that the legs cross, that he shows some cadence in the trot. Those are all the things that we're going to be looking for. Excellent. And then mm. you come off of that, and it's your first transition to passage. So right. what are you looking for with that? So the transition is between R and B. So that's 12 meters Ideally, you you know you would like to see a really clear transition that the horse goes from trot immediately lifts and and carries himself with his bent, joints bending into a, a clear passage. Not always so much do you see that in mm. in actuality, but that ideally that's what we would like to see that it immediately lifts and carries up into the new passage where the 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 cadence is really developed now. What are, what are the, some of the most common mistakes that you sort of see when people are trying to passage, but they're just not getting and there? And that the the person, the rider passages more than the horse does. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they're working way too hard. The horse isn't really off the leg enough at that point, you know, and so they 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 don't bend their joints. It's kind of flat, a little shuffly sometimes. And really want to see all the joints bending and the legs 
the you know, the front foot should come to the middle of the cannon bone on the front le- other front leg, and the hind legs should lift a little bit higher than the fetlocks, just so that you can see that it now it, it's different than trot. It is passage, and that's a lot of times when you're seeing the I two, it tends to be just kind of a slower trot. They don't yeah. haven't developed yeah. maybe the strength to lift as much as as we would really like to see. That makes sense for sure. And so now yep. then you kind of make a turn, you're on the diagonal yep. line right? and then crossing the center line is the first time that you're going to pee off eight right. to 10 steps. Right. And so you want to see the horse kind of get into place. They are allowed to move one meter forward, but one meter really isn't all that much mm-hmm. room. And you want to see the horse keep the activity, take the weight, keep the elasticity in the back, that the steps, and then that they have eight to ten steps. That it's you, here we are counting that they do have to do that number of steps. And a lot of times they'll get into a pee off, but maybe they get out too quick that the horse can't maintain the balance and the activity so the rider chooses to get out before they really get the correct number of steps and or they get in it and they can't get out of it yeah. and they <laughs> pee off and pee off and pee off and it's like no go 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 yeah, now go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so then you have a transition in and out of the right. piaf yep and then so another one from the piaf to the right massage. yeah so they and that comes after the pee-off score. So you want to see that they maintain the rhythm, that it stays in clear to beat, that they have balance in and out, that it truly is passage and then into pee-off and then back out into passage without any trot steps in the middle somewhere. Yeah, which it sounds so easy. And yeah. it's quite complicated but at that point. It, it gets really complicated, and the horses have to have have developed the strength and the confidence too to do this. That they have to, you know, be confident in themselves. That they don't get worried and just get really quick and kind of frantic in it. That they they keep the the regularity and the balance. That they can maintain all that in and out of the transitions. Makes total sense for sure. So then you go, you go back to Piaf, eight to ten yep. steps at A, and then yep. you have another set of passage A right. F to P. Right. And so kind of the same same stuff. Same right? things, right? Exactly. And then you go haha, to so you have a lot of positive tension, and then you right. go P to S okay. extended yep. walk. Say uh-huh. okay, now relax and put your head down and <laughs> relax yes. your back and march and and don't worry, just walk. And so that's not always so easy either. But a lot of times the horses will go thank you and just go and do a really nice walk. So it's really, I think that's a kind of a cool exercise that if the horse is confident in his work, that you can allow them to have the longer rein and ask for the extension and they stay relaxed and give it to you there. Yeah. I think this, this, this movement speaks to uh, a lot of the, you know, the submissiveness and the suppleness of the horse, because I think in that whole PF passage section, you're Mm -hmm. building a lot of tension. And then a lot of times you're seeing, you know, submission go out the window, uh, suppleness go out the window for sort of, Right. An exchange for power and and some, right, a little and bit that of is a lot of piaf and, and passage. It is it's a long, it is a long section it. there. Yeah, you know, to do the, to do piaf twice and passage yeah. through mm-hmm. the middle of it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. 
it is a demanding test, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easily that this can be a very messy movement, you know, as extended walk. Right. Right. And it's a double score. Because of all that (laughs) tension. Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) Both the extended and the collected walk in in the right are a double. So (laughs) that's uh, something to practice for sure. That's for sure. Definitely. (laughs) So we go from the collected walk right into a medium canner, right? Yep. Yep. And the, the transition or the flying change is included in the medium canner. So you want to make sure that your horse builds the canter, that it it's uphill, that it covers ground. And then in the flying change, that they actually come back into collection first, that they mm-hmm. stay straight, and then that they change before they do the turn into the corner so that the horse stays can show a straight flying change. And a lot of times you don't see that they use the corner Riders will use the corner as a means to collect the horse, and then the change isn't straight. It's already in the turn, so yeah, it's, it's a little lose, bit late. Yeah, that's right. Lose points there. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do that on the di- last step of the um, diagonal line. Yep, that's right. That's <laughs> right. The judges right. will see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll see they're bummer. not down, right? Yep. <laughs> so then you go. This is actually rides. It's quite difficult it's it is very difficult yeah Yeah. half past left that's only 12 meters to go across the diagonal that's Mm -hmm. our you know really short and so you do have you have to keep the collection a lot of times that's what you'll see is the horse loses the collection and they kind of flatten and and grab the ground sideways rather than carry and reach into the half pass Yes, and that is tough because then you've got to get set up for the pirouetted yeah. eye. I think if this, it, you know, if the half pass is written well in that good yes. selection and activity, that movement right. can really help the pirouette. That's exactly right because you're yeah. asking the horse to sit and carry a little yeah. bit, and into all of a sudden the, you're that, ready to turn. I, yeah. I think that rides actually quite nice if it should ride if really. you have a horse that happens if you have a horse that that's can do it or if you've done the training <laughs> that is right. gonna or if you're working yep. with a very old stiff horse that is not so <laughs> yeah. easy i'm just that's saying right true, true. <laughs> uh, if you if you have a little trouble with half past one direction and then you got to set up for a pirouette uh, right. that can be good challenging luck. yeah yeah good yeah. luck say a little prayer <laughs> Uh, not you want to be- make sure after that half pass that you ride that X to I straight because that is part of the movement that it's that you have that short section that's straight and then you do your pirouette and it's the same thing a little bit better more quality more balance maybe than an I one that the it's still the same number of strides six to eight but we're you're up right up there in front of the judge now at I doing the pirouette. So we can see how big it is. We don't have to, yeah, you know, <laughs> put our binoculars on for the down at the long side or something, but it's right there in front of us. So we can see how well you balanced and do you stay on the center line? Is it centered around the center line? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And then yeah. you go to an extended canner, kind of refresh yep. your canner. Refresh. Uh, and then you do it to the right. The same yep. thing, V to X, yep. down the center line. Um, again, you hope your horse half passes well. That's uh, right. For that. um, and then same thing, pirouette to the right at I. Yep. Yep. Straight. Double so score then, again. Double yeah, score. Pirouette, yeah, double score. Scored, so. Yep. They're, they're, big, they're big money There's points. no hiding it right there. No. <laughs> no, there is not. That's for sure. Yeah. And the judges are very good at seeing. <laughs> we, we do. Yes. Unfortunately. Uh, so then you go and do, now you have seven twos again. 
Right. So that's similar to the Inter One. So, that's right. Same kind of things that we're looking for, the quality, the balance, the ground cover, the, and that the strides, the changes are clean and show some quality before and after the changes. And then the big daddy comes then again. Then the big daddy, 11 yeah. changes every stride. And you see a variety of, of things with that. But it's the same thing. It's way, way faster than you would even think it should be. Yeah. But you have to, you can't wait to ask for, if you count, you have to keep counting. If you count and then go, oh, take a breath, you've already missed the second change and then you're late. So you have a, a, a two in there somewhere. So you just have to start counting and don't stop until you hit 11. And, and you know, go ahead. The best, no, I was going to say the best advice I've ever had. And, and it was um, for my student that I was teaching. Uh, I was in Florida and uh, Pam Goodrich came uh-huh. in and said, move your legs as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah. Just do everything was, twice faster twice than you twice. can. Yeah. It's not, I mean, you would think one or twos makes sense. You can one and two, but yeah. if you put an and in there yeah. in the ones, you've yeah. already got two and you're late <laughs> and you've move messed it legs. up. Yeah, move yeah. your legs as fast as you can. That's, that's right. That's all I tell people when they're ready for ones. I'm like, you need to move your legs literally as fast as you think you can move them because <laughs> you're probably still moving them too slow. That's right. So I think that's true. the biggest mistake. Yep. Move your legs as fast as you can. So that's <laughs> that's my tip on the one times for learning them. For I think sure. that's a great tip. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I love it. So then you go again. You have this collected trot at sea that yep. comes back. We talked about that last week right. in the inter one. Please do that in the warm up, uh, <laughs> so that you get please it. Practice. So yeah. please practice that because that's expensive. And 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 you it can is. you see in the inter two. Everything's mm-hmm. expensive, and so it is. you don't want to miss points on a on a canter yeah. traction. Not yeah, not when the not the it's hard enough to do the hard things well. The easy things make sure that you practice them so that you can do them well and get the maximum points that you can for all the easy stuff. Yeah, it makes total total sense. Yeah. So you have an you have an extended trot. You trot at sea. You have an extended trot, and then some uh, some business happens again. So right. how does that work? You make so, your extended trot, yeah. then what? So coming down the center line between D and L. So that's the first and second letter on the center line. Transition back to passage. And then passage straight down towards the judge and halt at I. So here, it's easy to easier to see. Does the horse swing his haunches? Does he stay straight? Does he keep an uphill balance? Does is he lifting his front legs? Or are they kind of just shuffling a little bit? So it's interesting the difference that you see as the horse comes towards you than you would see as the horse is on the sideways or on the diagonals. And so this is, it's the same kind of thing you want to see lift uphill, bending joints, staying on the bit, staying straight, which we're really going to be able to see now. And then just land into a soft, quiet, immobile halt at eye. Yeah. No, no piaffing again. No piaffing down the center line this time. Yeah, <laughs> it will come next it week. Will we'll come. talk yeah. about it, but it will come, but not in this particular. Not test. in this test. So this this last passage tour is maybe a little easier as long as your horse can stay straight, because there isn't any piaf, so there's no transitions. They just come down center line and then halt. 
Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Joan, yeah. thank you again so much. This was lots of fun. And how can our listeners find you online? So I'm always happy to answer emails, and you can reach me at joan at dressage.us. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the Shoulder Relief Girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's show. And as always, please send us email and Facebook shout-outs. We love them. Uh, And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me best probably on Facebook. Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>